everyone. Welcome back to our second episode of the New Year's podcast. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, it's Emily Kiel and me, Paula. Uh, next week you will uh, hear Jose again. And as I said, today it's not a volunteer, but a, a woman who is very engaged to volunteering work and European youth work. Emily is uh, the international, the European International Network Coordinator based in Tallinn at the moment and working for the Estonian National Agency. And uh, as I said, she is the European International Network <laughs> Coordinator. And maybe you're wondering uh, what's the European. So I'm a member by myself, actually. So I can uh, tell you that it's a network of young people who have all um, done an ESC or other U European youth mobility programs. And it started, I think, already 15 years ago in Germany and now spread it uh, to other like 14 or 15 European countries. Now we have it in Norway, Slovenia, Poland and the UK as well. And yeah, as I said, it's or well, they all have done a mobility program and we are going, for example, in schools, universities or youth centers in order to uh, do workshops or other information events for other youngsters in order to motivate them maybe to do an ESC as well, which is a very uh, cool activity to do. I enjoy it normally very much. Now with COVID, it's maybe a bit uh, more difficult, but in general, it's very cool. So uh, welcome, Emily. Nice that we have you here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. That was a really, really good summary. I think that the only thing that I would add is that we also offer training courses, which you will have done like in order to become a European. So we help young people transform their ESE experience or youth mobility experience into something that they can use in these kinds of dissemination events at schools, at their universities um, and in their wider community. So Um, I'll talk a little bit about my experience in national youth work 
first in the UK. So um, I studied anthropology and international relations at university in Scotland. And then during my third year of my studies, um, I was a senior mentor on a national program called uh, National System Service in the UK. So that helps young people aged 15 to 17 participate in social action projects in their community. And it is England-wide, so it's not in Scotland and Northern Ireland, but um, it's all over England. Um, and I worked in Leeds, so uh, that was a fantastic opportunity in my first experience of, of youth work. And I remember I was very nervous at the beginning because I think when I started those contracts, I was 21, so there wasn't there was a there was an age gap which was like which was clear. Like I was already at university, I lived away from home, but you know I was still not too far in age from the young people I was working with. Um, yeah, and I got a real passion for it there. I, the young people that I worked with grew so much, even though the program was only a month. Um, but it's such a fantastic opportunity and the young people surprise themselves and like grow so much just in that short period through working with a local charity. Um, so I've completed three contracts with them in the UK. And then whilst I was working on my third contract after uh, graduating, I found Europe is when I was searching for work. Um, and it was completely random. I had graduated and had not found any like long time, long term work opportunities. So I, I had three different jobs since, since graduating, but only other short term contracts and only some of them in youth work. Um, and then I came across Salto and I saw the Europeans training course and I hadn't actually been a ESC, European Solidarity Corps volunteer previously, but I'd done the academic part of Erasmus. And like for Europeans in the UK that qualified because, yeah, it's di it was difficult to get the message out quite often about um, Erasmus Plus opportunities. So um, I was able to go and I had my Europeans training in Slovakia in November 2019. And um, that, wow, it was for me, it was too little too late because already Brexit, you know, was well on its way then. Um so it really blew my mind how much was out there, how much was free, like how all these opportunities that I was desperate to make the most of in the final year before um, the exit period. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very lucky that I got to go. When I found this training course for Europeans, I was like, mm, there's got to be a catch somewhere here. You know, there's no way I'm going to go to Slovakia of all places for five days, completely free. And just run a dissemination event when I get back. But that's what happened. And uh, yeah, and then I've been hooked ever since. That's very nice to hear already with a very young age. And it shows also that you don't have to do an ESC necessarily in order to get the spirit of it. But it's so nice to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, what is your work now as the European International Coordinator uh, exactly like? What are your daily tasks? Yeah, so... Every day is definitely different. Um, this job never existed before. So it was a lot of um, kind of like fitting pieces and they're not quite working, but like shuggling things around to, to uh, work 
work out what exactly I would be doing with the director of the National Agency in Estonia. And then also working very closely with the partners of Europea. So there's a person within each national agency who's directly responsible for coordinating the network in their national reality. Um, and that has been the structure like since the network has been growing. But as you kind of mentioned, there was nobody coordinating this effort. So it was just on the merit of individual national agencies and so I like I like to consider myself as the glue the European's glue which like forms everything together um now so really yeah I manage communication between the different national agencies but now also with the new implementation of the program cycle in 2021 we also really want to focus on youth participation and youth leadership so I'm also now coordinating a steering group which has six youth members and six national agency representatives and two trainers um so i'm kind of my daily tasks involve a lot of long-term planning because um you really have to think far ahead with different events that you're that you're running and also when you're building something structurally we really want europeans now to have the support that it needs to uh, have this more permanent structure and support n- new incoming countries as well. So like Romania joined last year and for them to know what kind of content national um, trainings and international training should they want to host one needs to involve um, and how we can translate that kind of information from countries like Germany, which are extremely experienced where the, where the network was founded um, and the UK also into countries, yeah, like Romania um, who want to join. And since I gained the job, um, I also answer requests from people in Spain and Sweden um, who are interested in growing the network. So yeah, it's, very different it involves a lot of meetings trying to support those national agency directors into um making the network flourishing and attracting young people in their own in in their own countries um and then also I, i've learned a hell of a lot in this role so it's also uh picking out what trainings i think might be beneficial not just to the wider network but um to me in my my own personal development so for example i did a digital digital youth work competencies training um, with the Italian National Agency a couple of weeks ago, which was really helpful because it doesn't seem like, unfortunately, even though we've got the vaccine, it doesn't seem like COVID is going away anytime soon. So that also changed the changed my work quite a lot. I think I, so I started in April last year and back then we were probably still thinking that or we were hoping that the crisis wouldn't last this long. And my job by now, I should have already have been to Brussels for a training um, and probably would have attended some European trainings in different countries. And that is just not possible. So um, learning those kinds of digital skills very quickly has been really helpful. Um, but yeah, hopefully in the future, there'll be more international missions. We'll see. Since we all know how tough it is like to keep the attention in online meetings. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> And what uh, do you like the most about your job? I'd say oh, there's lots of things. In the future, maybe I'll say being able to meet lots of people internationally. Um, but, but for now, I mean, still that is the case. Like, I think the thing that I like the most is that uh, the different paths that I cross with people um, through my work, like you meet such wonderful people um, this digital youth work course that I did and also organizing um, 
the training for the communication information officers in national agencies last year. Uh, there is a trainer there from Italy who's also a stand-up comedian, and I attended one of his shows on Friday online, which was great. Um, and and all the young people, like just the inspiration, I think of, of of young people who are so motivated about these programs. Like it's really nice to see that coming from the UK, where the programs are not so much known about. I think, um, and to see how enthusiastic people are is is a great thing. Like it motivates me a lot in my work and continuing to work with young people. Like for me, um, right now, it's not as much contact as I would like because I really enjoy workshops and working, you know, in person with young people. So for me, that's the only thing that, that's lacking. But I, I, I love that I still get to communicate with young people online Um I think that's yeah. really interesting because, or speaking for myself, uh, since I've done my ESC, I'm also very catched by the spirit you, you said uh, in workshops, meeting international uh, people. And I think also lots of other um, former ESC volunteers would like also to stay in this uh, field of youth work. So it's very interesting to oh, just hear your stories, uh, how you got to your work and so on. It's very interesting and maybe also helpful <laughs> for the future. Yeah, But I'm sure also, I mean, there's a lot of positive positive uh, things in your work but I'm sure there are also some challenges maybe also in the beginning and well were there some challenges and if yes uh, how or what did you learn out of it yeah definitely um there's there has been yeah it's been a bumpy road I feel like it's evening out now but only after you know like eight months working working in this also yeah I'm, I will be completely honest here like working for and a colleague who started at the same time as me who is also a European um, has experienced the same thing um working for a national agency I think as a as a young person you might look at it as this like amazing job which it is a hundred percent I'm not doubting that it's not a great job but there is a lot of bureaucracy that comes with it and that is that is a challenge sometimes wading through like internal online systems, which are then also not in your own language. So it's like getting through this language, this IT language, and on top of that, all being in Estonian. And then I was like, ah, this is, this is too much. Um, on top of that, getting used to, you know, four different channels of communication and lots of it, and yeah, not in your own language. So Google Translate has been my best friend. Um, I am trying to learn Estonian, but it's not a great language to start with. I think it's it's very difficult. Um, and then other than that, I had a, very, a bit of a weird start because of COVID. So like also starting a job when you're not in the office with your colleagues. So you can't just, if you're struggling with something, you can't just go and nip into somebody else's room and ask, oh, I'm struggling with this online system thing. How how might you help me with this? You have to just message that we use Slack. So I message them, but it's sometimes difficult to feel like you're not bothering somebody if you're just sending them messages all the time. So onboarding during COVID in a different country was also a big challenge. And then as if that wasn't enough, on a very personal note, I unfortunately um, didn't know either that I wasn't very well when I moved over here. So I got really sick in... November and I didn't know what was wrong with me I was kind of falling asleep the second I'd finished work or like crying lots um and I thought I was just suffering really poor mental health 
But it turned out that um, I had Lyme's disease. So that, and I and I'd had it for maybe five months and not known about it. So I actually had it when I moved from the UK. Um, so that was also impacting, impacting my work. And um, so the thing that I took away from that, because I was kind of like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. This is a new job. I've got to like power on. Like that's very much the attitude that I, the, and the approach that I've always had also to university and to academic studies. Um, and so, yeah, I think what I've learned is that, um, persistence maybe isn't always the way forward and that you have to put your health first, you know, when it comes to it, because without good physical mental health, then you're not much use to your work. So that's the major, um, maybe unexpected, but that's, yeah, that's the big learning, um, curve I've got out of it in regards to me personally, I guess. Yeah. And in regards to the job, probably more directly, um, that you, you shouldn't try and learn everything in one go because there's so much information comes from the commission and beyond. And I was like, must soak everything up like a sponge. And then it's easy to get like information overload, you know, so. Okay. And uh, let's imagine like you're at dinner with friends and, you know, everyone is telling a funny story. What would your story be? Maybe concerning your work or maybe concerning youth work. Um, what experience would you tell to them? If it's a funny, if it's a funny story, I'm trying to think, um, because I, I feel like most of the time I tell, would tell, share the story of like my experience of Brexit, which is, which is not so much funny, but sad, I suppose, like very, very current, but, um, but sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll share, share that first, maybe. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, back in 2016, when we had the referendum, um, I was at during my, yeah, my first year of university towards the end of my first year of university was when the the vote was um and I had yeah just finished my first year and I'd already been accepted to go study in the Netherlands for the next year on Erasmus um and I was working in a supermarket I worked in a supermarket between the ages of 16 and 21 um just yeah to help fund my studies um and I remember that on the news, Nigel Farage, like leader of the Leave campaign, when they announced that they had won the referendum, was on the TV that morning and he, and I was there in my supermarket uniform and he was saying, this is a victory for working class people. This is a victory for, for this country. We're taking our borders back. And I was like, this is not a victory for me, Nigel. What am I? What am I? And I was, oh, I was, I was so upset. I was so upset. I was so disappointed in, in fellow like citizens. Like, I don't know. I feel like the place where I'm from, we were discussing a bit before the interview is like a very small rural area. It's like 98% white British. There are some Eastern Europeans, um, who work in a bacon factory. Um, But then they, most of them don't live in my town. So they come in from a different city on a bus and then go, go back at the end of the day. Um, but the rhetoric, like the anti-migration rhetoric was so depressing. I went to work and 
and I was crying um, because I kept having to scan newspapers through and it was like in the Daily Mail victory for the UK and I was like crying. Um, and some some elderly people tried to console me on my till. My manager told me to, for God's sake, Emily, get over it. There's a migrant in every house, uh, every other house in our town, which is just a lie. And it, I guess it really shows how dangerous fake news is and how dangerous, you know, the Leave campaign is now going through various uh, various court uh, processes uh, because they they just lied to the public. Um, so I was yeah I was very frustrated and I was very very upset and then basically was very disillusioned also with British politics for some time. Like I grew up in an extremely political family. Like both my parents are local councillors in my town and have both stood for Parliament as well. Um, they never get anywhere because I live in a very conservative area and we're very liberal. Um, but yeah, I was, yeah, I was very disillusioned. And then I had an, an amazing time, like the best year of my life on my Erasmus, um, and continued like to campaign and, and did, did everything that I could to still feel European. So Europe, finding Europe is really was like a blessing for me because I came away from that training course feeling motivated again. And it was like, a really fresh perspective and a really welcome feeling because I was just angry and bitter before I was just really frustrated. And then I thought, wow, like this, this is my way. Like, this is how I'm going to stay connected is like through Erasmus plus um, and stay engaged. And then I suppose a funny ending an ironically funny ending to this would be when I was on my exchange, um, in the Netherlands, you know, you have these first introductory weeks and you um, go to lots of parties and you meet people from loads of different places. And I did an Erasmus student network introduction week. Um, and we had one of the evenings that had to be country themed. And there was me and one of the guy from the UK. And we're, we're really boring, I think, culturally as a nation. Like that's an overgeneralization. But, you know, we don't have a national costume um, at all. Like... When I was younger as well, I, I, I've been on five United Nations environmental program conferences like on the environment. And you always had to take your national dress. And, the, and England, like, we, we don't have one. Um, so me and this guy from the UK decided that we would go as the Brexit bros, <laughs> which was so, so ironically, like, depressing, but was quite funny. So we just... Um, we just put the British flag on our cheeks and dressed all in, in Union Jack colours. So, yeah, it was, you've got to have humour, otherwise you just cry yeah. all the time. So, yeah. But yeah. nevertheless, like, a very nice story. Thank you for sharing it. You're welcome. Thank you. And we are already uh, coming to an end closely, but uh, sure. To uh, maybe the second last question, what is your favourite song uh, that represents volunteering or youth work or Erasmus? Um, to you and we're gonna add it to our playlist here i will put the link also in the description so you can have access to it okay um this was really tricky because there are so many because one thing that i discovered like being a being a youth worker in the uk but also also yeah all the erasmus plus projects i've been on you know like when you're waiting for training to start there's always some kind of music playing or there's like, there seems to be this like group theme, you know, I guess this is why you chose this question. Um, but the ones that have really stuck with me also when I, when I was a youth worker at Leeds um, in the UK, 
the kids, like, they love music so much. Like, yeah, I felt like a grandma, even though I was only 20, between 21 and 23 doing this, because there was so much that I just, that I didn't know. Um, but yeah, the, the song that I would add, I think would be Shotgun by George Ezra, because the first youth work contract that I did, uh, all the young people were so obsessed with this song and <laughs> were playing it all the time. And it was summer and we went on a residential to Wales and it was just like really good. It was a really good group. There was like a hundred young people and 12 mentors and it was a really nice group. It came with the challenges for sure. Um, but yeah, I just have lots of good memories of, of staying in Leeds with my fellow coordinators and driving around. And yeah, it was, it's a great song. Many, many good memories and an introduction to youth work as well. So, yeah. And our last question yeah. uh, for today, what does solidarity means mm -hmm. to you? Such a loaded question. <laughs> I feel like solidarity means a resonance, like a relatedness to people who share a, the same or similar experience to you, or even if it's not the same or similar, that you can find some kind of like common ground with others around you. And I think that solidarity is something which has really impacted my life or kept me motivated, especially given Brexit recently, because so there's a lot of, there's a really strong sense of solidarity with Europeans in the United Kingdom. And we are very much determined that we will stay connected um, beyond the transition period. And as they try and replace Erasmus with this lesser scheme, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, solidarity um, in, can be, you know, in a positive or a negative situation, but we find togetherness for it. So. Okay, all right. With yeah. this uh, word by Emily, it's um, we close our episode for today. So thank you a lot, Emily. This has been a very nice interview, very interesting interview. <laughs> thank you uh, for being thank here. Thank you so much. And we hear us next week in the next episode uh, with Jose. Until then, bye. Bye.